are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio with Tony, Kathy, Jody, Dave, Brennan, Hank, and Craig. And we have a hearty mix of pop culture for you today. Talking us about some books, some reading. We got some uh, graphic novels to review and some comics. Uh, we're going to kick things off. Kathy's going to talk about a Star Wars graphic novel called The Thrawn. And then Brennan's going to take over and talk about Future State, because that's still ongoing with DC. Then we'll hear from Hank and Craig. And then Dave and I are going to weigh in on Sound and Fury by Sturgill Simpson. You may have seen the anime that came out on Netflix last year, and then also the album that goes with it, but he just put out a prequel to that project, which actually makes it better. It makes it make a lot more sense. So we're gonna uh, let you in on that. So Kathy, without further ado, uh, take it away. Tell us about Thrawn. Uh, so recently I read the Ahsoka book um, and I wasn't really into reading Star Wars novels before that, but it was really good. So I was looking for um, the, the Timothy Zahn books uh, about Thrawn and I couldn't find that one, but I found the graphic novel, which is like the first six comics of the Thrawn series. And it was really good. Like it was so, so informative for me. First of all, Thrawn, his name is actually Nitron Radu. That sound right? Mithron Radu. Yes. Mithron so. Radu. <laughs> yeah. You're right. <laughs> Did not know that. So, like, I learned a lot of stuff through this reading this graphic novel. So, it was written by Jody Hauser. The artist is Luke Ross. Colorist was Nolan Woodward. It's really, really well done. I think it the way the way they show Thrawn is pretty much like the Rebels. So the Thrawn guy, I guess if people don't know, he's like the blue guy. That yes, was in, he's the that blue was guy. In the uh, the Rebels, and he was also in the uh, the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And Thrawn actually started back. He had his own the Timothy Zahn books, the novels. There was a three parter, I think there was uh, that had Thrawn yeah, coming so. in. Yeah, so, yeah, and yeah, they brought him in kind of as the antagonist. Uh, because the, at that point, when they were writing the novels, you couldn't use Darth Vader uh, because, you know, things were unsure as to where he was going to go. So I'm pretty sure they were using things at that point. Really? Yeah. yeah that surprises so, yeah. me. Yeah. So the, uh, this is, there's going to be spoilers. So if nobody's read this, it's old. So I'm, I'm sure lots of, most Star Wars fans have read this or the Timothy Zahn books. Spoilers! This graphic novel starts um, when he's on a planet before he joins the Empire. He fools the Empire into joining the military, getting himself into the military, getting himself into the Empire's graces. He becomes kind of buddy-buddy with the Emperor. I learned that he met Darth Vader when Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker. Oh, okay. So they wrote him in as someone from the past that we didn't know yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this connected a lot of the dots for me. Like I saw how he learned how to be somebody who worked in the Empire as a Chiss. Okay. Yeah. What is that? Um, That's where he's from. Oh, gotcha. That's that's his his race. His His race? race? Yeah. 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 And it's it's a warrior cast. They're really, really good at planning, and uh, so when he came in, then uh, you said that he was a, and an, is he like an antagonist of Darth Vader? Then, like, are they get along? They're buds. They go for beers. Or are they? Is he kind of more playing Darth Vader and the Emperor? 
in, in the novel, the graphic novel? Um, he's, he's, he's helping the Empire, but uh, he also has his own agenda. Yep. He was kind of buds with Anakin Skywalker, but the Emperor tells him that Anakin did not survive the Clone Wars. So he's really sad. Oh, well, he's so, not really sad, well, but he pretends to be really sad so that because he's playing everybody. He's playing everybody. <laughs> so uh, this now this does this happen after the stuff in the Clone Wars? Then is it before the Clone Wars? After the Clone Wars. After the Clone Wars. So after Rebels, then? No. no. Okay. Between the Clone Wars and Rebels. Between the Clone Wars and the Rebels. So this graphic novel runs up from um, just after the Clone Wars to the beginning of the M. Uh, the Rebels. Okay. Like my Ahsoka book that I read, it ends right when Ahsoka becomes um, Fulcrum, and then that would be the start of Rebels. Oh, Rebels. This also, at the end of this graphic novel, he gets assigned to Lothal to deal with this these horrible insurgents the who insurgents, are on Lothal, which is Rebels. So this which is, is actually, the Rebels. This fits in perfectly then. So basically, yeah. what there is kind of they're you know they're taking a story between stories and they're throwing a story in there. Okay, so my only biggest question is, my biggest question is, uh, so now the Emperor is telling people that, Dar that Anakin's dead, so people don't know, like, so the Emperor's not like, this is Anakin, he's Darth Vader, he, mm -hmm. his old persona is gone. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, same, same thing happened in the Ahsoka book, too. Really? They didn't tell anybody that that's who it was. So he's, he's yeah, so I guess that makes sense, uh, so no one would know that. Hmm, that is an interesting fact in, in, uh, that I did not know about Star Wars, that he was just like gone, dead, and then they move, you know, he's now dark. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure in the graphic novels that I'm reading yeah. now, it will connect the dots a little bit together. But even in the Star Wars graphic novels that I'm reading now, they don't say that he's Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, they know that Luke is a Skywalker, but they don't know that Vader is a Skywalker. Oh, I guess that would make sense because now, if you think about it, if he was a Skywalker, his name was Luke Skywalker on the planet of Tatooine, mm -hmm. so people would know he's a Skywalker. So if everyone knew that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker, they would be like, "Holy moly, wait, we need to get Luke <laughs> so we can like you know have some kind of uh, you know yeah. leverage towards this whole thing." Yeah. Anyway, well that's pretty cool. So I guess now you're starting to read a lot of these books. You're starting to read the Star Wars books and the Darth Vader books. So yeah, and I thought that they would be like little tangent stories. And I suppose that's why I didn't read them before. But they're actually connecting a lot of the dots for me between like different series on the and the movies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that, the the spaces in between. Yeah, yeah. And you weren't really reading comics before. So this is a kind of a good uh, good beginning of the comic reading. Get you into some Star Wars <laughs> yeah. comics. Supporting the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I've read some of these books. I've actually uh, Leaf through the Thrawn book. I thought it was pretty cool looking. They they do really, really good art and and the Star Wars ones. Now you I know you've read a little bit of the Star Wars one, uh, and I think the Darth Vader one ties into the Star Wars one. So that's something that you should uh, read as well. Yep, yeah. it's the next on my list for yeah. sure. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. And actually, I have a tie-in to what you were just talking about. The first Star Wars graphic novel when they rebooted it was written by Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron also wrote Sound and Fury. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And he also writes a ton of stuff. He's been writing for Marvel like crazy. And uh, yeah, he's been a busy guy. But anyways, we're going to talk about DC next. So Brennan, 
what the heck is happening in the future state world. Okay, so I do realize I've been talking a lot about future state, but there's more titles coming out. We're getting round two, a lot of issue two coming. Uh, unless you're reading the Batman ones, they're having four, but because why just give Batman two issues when you can give him four? Um, and so I've read a couple new ones and doing a bit of catch up and I wanted to let everyone know about it. So the first one that somehow I missed when it first came out, but luckily got the second printing, is Wonder Woman, and this is the Yara Floor Wonder Woman, uh, the Brazilian one. Uh, this was written and drawn by Joelle Jones. And this was the one that I was really looking forward to. Joelle Jones, I love her writing style. I love her artwork. Uh, she did a series called Lady Killer, which if you haven't read, go find it. It's, it's brilliant. It's awesome. I was really hoping for her to do a DC book, and she did Catwoman. And I was super excited to hear she was doing it. And then it came out in the I don't know, the first part of her run in Catwoman, I, I, I don't know, I wasn't a big fan of. I might need to go back and read it. Anyway, I'm, I shouldn't, that's a whole other show. But she did wonder, and, and it is, this is great. This is the one I was waiting for. I love her artwork. It has this sort of, re, like, heavy lines, like a retro style, like the kind of, like, Sunday melodrama you might kind of look at, you know, like the, the, the Sunday soap opera artwork, but with really interesting perspectives, uh, some really cool use of panel boxes and things. And here we have this Wonder Woman. She's Brazilian and she has a very uh, Orpheus type storyline. Uh, one of her Amazonian friends has been lost in battle and she decides to go down to the underworld with a guide in an attempt to bring her back. Her guide, uh, Kipora, uh, is sort of like this uh, narrator that leads us through the story um, who appears in different ways in the book. Like sometimes she's in the panel as part of the story. Sometimes she's out of the panels. It's a great little two-issue read. Um, I'm really hoping that Joelle Jones does more of these. If they made this an ongoing series, I would definitely pick it up. Just great art, good writing. She gets a lot done in, in two issues. So if you haven't checked this one out, I'd definitely check that one out. Uh, the next one, Harley Quinn, she had her two-issue arc. This was written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Simone Dimed, I believe I'm saying that right. It's this digital look for the art uh, Harley Quinn has been captured. Uh, the Scarecrow is now part of the good guys, right? He's no longer the Scarecrow. He's now just Dr. Jonathan Crane, and he's trying to make things better. Um, Harley Quinn says, I know, I know things you don't, and I can help you. To, uh, oh, I even forget now who they're going after. Oh, um, the, oh what's his name? The, the, the guy with the pig mask. Uh, Oh, Doctor. I'm going to call him Dr. Pig. That's not his name, but I can't think of it right now. They want to go after him, so she has a big plan. Uh, the story's fine. It's okay. It's, it's not brilliant. I like the artwork, but they do some really interesting perspective work, but I find sometimes I'm not quite sure what's happening in the panel. Um, just by the angles and things, I would have to kind of look at it two or three times to kind of figure out what was, what was happening. If you're a Harley Quinn fan, you'd probably like it. It's, it's not bad. If, if you don't, if you skip it, I wouldn't be too concerned. And then issue three of uh, Future State, the next Batman came out. So this is uh, Jace slash Tim Fox as Batman. And in issue two, he found a couple that were about to kill someone because they had murdered uh, their daughter. Um, this issue has a bit less action and more him just kind of debating the philosophy of being uh, a comic book hero and a superhero. Uh, he deals with the police department a little bit. This one's a bit more expository, a bit more dialogue, uh, having the story go forward. The second story is the outsider story that has uh, Cantana and Black Lightning. This has a lot of action into it, so a bit more action-packed. 
The last one are the Knights of Arkham, and I, they decide to uh, defeat the Magistrate in Gotham. I am really enjoying the arts of the Knights of Arkham. They're really well drawn stories, they're well written stories, and if they did an ongoing series of it, I would quite like it. So uh, there you go. That's a quick recap of what's been happening in Future State over the last uh, couple weeks. I appreciate your diligence because I keep buying it and reading none of it. And every weekend I think, oh, this will be the weekend that I crack these open and try them and I still have not done that. So thanks. It's fun. It's actually fun for once. So enjoy some fun DC while it lasts. Okay. Awesome. Well, here's some more fun. We're going to throw things over to Hank and Craig, and then Dave and I are going to talk about Sound and Fury. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Silliphant and my good friend Hank Cruz coming at you on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And today we've got some really fun nuggets of entertainment uh, to talk about that we've been watching, reading, listening to, eating, uh, you know, ingesting in all forms. So uh, why don't you start, Hank? What do you got? You got something fun? Oh, I'll start. You know, uh, one thing that people don't know uh, listening to Punch Radio is that uh, Tony, uh, other than Star Wars, he is the biggest NASCAR bro out there. Like he loves NASCAR. He and Kathy sit around and watch nothing but Star Wars and NASCAR. That's why when I saw The Crew, the new TV show that showed up on Netflix, which is all about NASCAR, I went, well, Tony and Kathy are going to tell me to watch this. So I clued into this uh, this crew on Netflix brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts and 1,000 other sponsors they got on the show. Uh, it's a sexist, out-of-date, and out-of-touch 30-minute sitcom starring our good friend Kevin James, right. playing the same character he always plays. And in this case, his name is still kevin um so he's an out of touch buffoon who doesn't know what instagram is uh you know the guy who like hand washes his 20 year old underwear the show centers around a losing nascar team who is all up in arms when a woman takes over as boss what and then she actually wants to hire a female driver omg i won't waste more of your time talking about this waste of time now the showrunner the same dude that brought you the ranch you know that ashton kutcher netflix thing yes you see where we're going with this at fisher cruise give it 42 out of 100 the studio audience has to be a super annoying laugh track because no one can sit through this and uh, kim coke shows up in it so one point for that and two points for sarah styles and gary anthony williams who were trying trying their best it's not their fault okay i watched them all but it's so bad like so bad i had it on the background while i was doing some work it is so bad don't watch it okay i just saved the day don't watch it i fair enough i wouldn't have and i'm glad you just uh solidified that opinion i i, I saved it i yes. saved it. i've got the but i did uh um, i actually read a book okay i was a reader and i read something that was really good so to go from something really bad to something really good uh brian burke He's the hockey team builder and cup winner. He wrote a book called Burke's Law, which goes through his life from birth to not winning the cup with my Toronto Maple Leafs and everything in between. He never listened to any of my advice. I sent him the tweets. I sent him emails. He never listened to me. Okay. And that's why the team never won. And that's why they got rid of him. But anywho, a great book for hockey fans, sports fans, and those people who love true stories about hard work, dedication to work family, friends, and toughness, written exactly how Berkey speaks, including the barrage of F-bombs. Anyone playing for Pittsburgh right now needs to read the book so they know who's in charge of their team. 
I love this book and it's uh, I've read so many books about actual uh, like biographies of hockey players and autobiographies of hockey players it's nice to see one about management and behind the scenes uh, it's great so read it love it check it out I read a book I read a book cool well I am also reading a book uh, right <laughs> now in fact I'm reading several I have lots of book lined mahogany bookshelves but wow. I actually I, I just picked up this book uh, today and I'm only on page 17, so I probably should wait to talk about it, but I'm not going to because I've been really excited to read this. So uh, the book is called Mike Nichols, A Life, and it's written by a guy named Mark Harris. So Mike Nichols, obviously the film director, he directed The Graduate and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and movies like that. Uh, but really, I could really not really care too much about Mike Nichols per se. I bought this book on the strength of uh, Mark Harris, who's actually one of my favorite sort of nonfiction uh, film writers. He uh, is an American journalist and author. Uh, he used to be a columnist and a former editor at Entertainment Weekly, but he's written two amazing books so far uh, in addition to you know writing for the New York Times and Grantland and Slate and The Guardian and places like that. But he wrote one in 2008 called Pictures at a Revolution, Five Movies in the Birth of New Hollywood, which was an examination of how the American film industry changed in the 1960s and it sort of looks at the uh, Oscar race uh, in one particular year and you can kind of see like how they were shedding certain kinds of movies and uh, you know picking up other kinds of movies uh, and so it's just a really interesting look at uh, you know not only the Oscars but just the, just the birth of New Hollywood. Uh, in 2014 he published Five Came Back a story of Hollywood in the Second World War so this is an examination of five U.S. directors, John Ford, William Wyler, John Huston, Frank Capra, and George Stevens. And they all went and did frontline work in the Second World War. Then they came back to America after and, and you know, made some pretty famous movies and whatnot. Now, uh, you can actually see that one in a three-part Netflix docuseries uh, just called Five Came Back on Netflix. But the books are really good. He, it, like, he, even if you were just marginally interested in some of these topics, he is such a great writer and it's, it's never like, I'm also reading this Frank Sinatra book that is interesting, but it's like, it's like a thousand pages long. And a lot of it's just like, then Frank went into the studio that day and Nelson Riddle was conducting the orchestra. And so he, uh, you know, he played three new songs and it just goes on like that where you're just getting just too many details. Whereas the Mike, Mark Harris books are just like really engaging and well-written and they kind of suck you right into it. Uh, so, like I said, I don't really give a crap about Mike Nichols per se, but when Mark Harris puts out a book, I'm going to grab it and read it. And like, I'm, I'm about 17 pages in right now, and I'm already like kind of sucked into the story and who Mike Nichols is and everything. So definitely we're checking out that one just came out. So the other thing I saw, which is something I know you also saw, so you can chime in as well, is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. You Starbra. Yeah. <laughs> the new film from uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, who we would mostly know from like Bridesmaids, but it's the story of best friends Barb and Star who leave their small Midwestern town for the first time to go on vacation in Vista Del Mar, Florida, where they soon find themselves tangled up in adventure, love, and a villain's plot to kill everyone in town. Uh, Jamie Dornan's in it. Of course, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo play uh, Barb and Star. Uh, Damon Wayans Jr.'s in it, uh, you know, Vanessa Bayer turns up, uh, as well as Phyllis Smith from The Office, and a few other people. Uh, in fact, Andy Garcia and Reba McIntyre even show up. Did you say Andy Garcia, like Tommy Bahama from head to toe? Tommy yeah. Bahama, that's right. <laughs> so uh, I have to say, like, 
you know, it, it's a fun movie. It definitely is kind of bonkers and has its own crazy wavelength. So that's great. Like it doesn't, it's, it's just silliness, almost like how Anchorman is silly. Like it doesn't really reside in reality, this story. And so that's really funny. And Barb and Star are really funny. But I have to say like, ultimately, you know, well, I enjoyed it, but I, I, I don't think I'm going to be going back anytime soon for uh, another, you know, another watch. It just, it just, as many as, as much as there were some really fun jokes that worked, there was also a lot of misfires, a couple of musical numbers that just were too long and not funny. So overall, like, ah, it's okay. And it's probably worth watching. Uh, and like I said, definitely some bonkers jokes, especially a not Morgan Freeman, but a Morgan Freeman cameo. He's actually played by somebody else. A crab. As a crab, yeah. <laughs> which is a really funny part. But, but ultimately it just, I don't know, didn't fully like, you know, wasn't the most amazing comedy of the year for me or anything. What did you think really quickly? I thought it was uh, I thought it was fun, but uh, like honestly, like because they are on a different wavelength. You're either gonna like the movie or you're gonna hate it. So you're gonna get it or you're not. Uh, so I thought it was uh, funny, but yeah, I don't think I would ever watch it again. But it uh, was a good distraction for a while, and I, I laughed a couple times. So. Yeah, but it was weird. So Barb and Star <laughs> go to Vista Del Mar. Cool. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our time for today. Let's throw back to Jody here. Hank and Craig saying Hank and Craig out. I guess. Uh, Toodaloo. All right, thanks, fellas. So the book, the prequel to Sound and Fury just came out. This is Sturgill Simpson's like giant thing. Um, in 2019, he came out with this album that was completely different from anything that he'd done before because he's like a country guy and this is very experimental and rock and heavy and but electronic and it's different. I would say imagine if in the early 70s, uh, Led Zeppelin had fired Robert Plant and replaced him with Waylon Jennings. Okay, that's that's uh, pretty apt, actually. So he wrote this album, and then they made this incredible 41-minute movie that's on Netflix. It's still on Netflix. You can check it out. It's anime style, and it's a lot of different vignettes in this post-apocalyptic world where some company or something has taken over. It, it's You don't need to know. Like it's kind of watching like a bunch of videos that all connect to each other. And there is a loose plot running through all of it, but it just looks so great. It completely doesn't matter. You just get immersed in it and it's really, really fun. It's a good ride. And when it came out, I really enjoyed it and recommended it. Yeah, if you check it out and you see like the runtime, like, oh, a 40 minute animated country rock video. I don't know. That 40 minutes goes by in what feels like about 15. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah. Um, and like, it's, it's, it's a multitude of different narratives in there too. Yeah, you can tell that they had some sort of story in mind, but darned if by the end of that, you can tell what that story was. Yeah, there's, Which is kind of where this comic comes in and it, it pieces all that together. It's handy. So well, after you've read this, you kind of, oh, those bad guys are actually her uncles. And those good guys are her like mentors and their souls are now in her swords. And like, there's so many little pieces that actually come together. So the book itself, as I said earlier, Jason Aaron actually wrote the comic itself. It is based on an idea uh, by Sturgill Simpson. So he did create it with the help of Junpai Mizuzaki, uh, who is a director and writer who did Batman Ninja. And Jason Aaron, I have been a fan of for quite a long time. He's just super prolific. Uh, but some of my favorite things that he has done outside of like the big, you know, Marvel DC world 
He did Scalped, which is really violent and great. Yeah. Uh, he did Southern Bastards, also really violent and great. Uh, and then he also did when Star Wars started coming back out as a, a comic a few years ago, like 2015, I want to say. Again, really gritty. He's got like a, just a feel for the, the dialogue and language that really, really works. And uh, he, he's fantastic in this. Uh, I really enjoyed the book. It is, like his other stuff, really, really violent. No surprise there. But it's, uh, it's entertaining and it absolutely opens the scope of the anime that we had previously enjoyed. Definitely reminiscent of like Pink Floyd, The Wall, or even Death Clock, Doomstar, Requiem, has the feel of, you know that animated segment in Kill Bill? Kind of like that. Yeah. And it also uh, has creators and animators who worked on Afro Samurai. So if you're a fan of that, you will absolutely enjoy this as well. Uh, kind of makes you wish that more people made like animated rock operas. Well, duh. Other than like Roger Waters and Brendan Small and now Sturgill <laughs> Simpson, like nobody really tries this. But Sturgill, that's the cool thing about being his fan is that you don't know what he's going to try next. Like we saw him play in Saskatoon in summer of 2016. Such an amazing live show. You would have thought, okay, this guy can just keep on doing this country rock thing and that will sustain him forever. Then next thing you know, he's soundtracking a 40 minute anime video movie and story doing contributing story for a graphic novel yeah he's a true creator he's also kind of distanced himself from the country world he uh kind of banned or uh he did something with the country music awards a few years ago where he yeah. was like busking outside and refused to go in and yeah he's like politically very interesting in the music world but i love that he's constantly challenging himself to do something new and i hope that uh he can continue that because he is awesome. I happen to know that Ultimate Power Duo wanted to do a space animated opera. However, didn't have the budget. But, but if it happened, <laughs> if we can get the money, because uh, we even thought doing one video ends, it was expensive. But one day, one day. That is correct. I, I'm sorry that I overlooked that because I was thinking that strictly animation, but like from a cartoon comic book slash music epic giant project, yes. Ultimate Power Duo, Face Joe. You, you, you definitely need to pick that up. And there are copies around the city, so you can, uh, you can get that. It's, it's awesome. So, yes. Sorry, Brennan. <laughs> no, like I said, we want to animate too. We just don't have the budget, but one day we will. So be, be, I'll say it here first. One of these days, eventually. So get ready. Okay. And Punch Radio will have the scoop for sure. Well, that wraps up another episode of our show. Uh, goes by quick. You know where to find us every Friday at 6 o'clock here on CFCR. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up. I'm always going to live in the room while the zipper is shifting through the time of